In 1869, in a town called Cookstown, County Tyrone, a woman was born. This woman was born into poverty as a result of being a child of famine survivors. In the hope of a better life, in 1883 she left the Emerald Isle, got on a boat and set sail for New York. There she would live with an uncle and aunt who had left during the famine and she began to make a life for herself. It was in New York she rose to eternal fame. Mary Mallon was releasing herself from the shackles which held the Irish state of mind post-famine. She was going places and she was going to get there quickly. She picked up a job as a cook and worked tirelessly preparing the meals for seven families at a time. Scurrying from house to house to ensure meals were ready on time all the time. She began to gain a reputation for being a brilliant cook and extremely professional. Her personality was said to be infectious as she quickly got on with all those she worked for. This all in a time where the general rule was no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, in that order. The clients she had were all those from a class Mary did not know existed. They were from a class Mary could not aspire to before leaving Ireland as she didn't know that level of wealth existed. At the time when Mary was really starting to make it, working for wealthy bankers, a new sickness began to appear around New York. Typhoid fever was settling into the city to make it its new home. Scale Fadigar Typhoid fever is a bacterial infection that can spread through the body, affecting many organs. It is related to salmonella poisoning, better known as food poisoning. In the 1870s, there were many theories as to how it spread, but no one was fully certain. It was suspected it was due to the drinking water carrying the infection. Water treatment centers were blamed as they could be infecting the drinking water with the sewage water. Typhoid fever isn't often a fatal disease, but it can be particularly in the 1800s when medication was not always readily available. It is, however, highly contagious. An infected person can pass it on quite easily through poor hygiene. As a result, the fever today is most common in poor areas of the world where access to clean water, soap and other things we take for granted are not common. The symptoms are not very obvious as they can mask themselves as other illnesses. Headaches, coughs, general aches and pains are common side effects. Symptoms may not show for 6 to 14 days. Today two different vaccinations are available. They weren't available in the 1800s and hygiene wasn't that important either. The fever had a 10% death rate.
two weeks after picking up her biggest clients, the contract ended as the family and other members of staff became sick with the fever and Mary had to leave the home in order to protect herself. Another member of the staff died from the disease, a woman working in the laundry. Mary went away and got herself a new job, working for a lawyer and his family. A home of eight people. Things were going well for Mary. She again got on with everyone and worked as hard as she could for as long as she could. This family, however, were also unlucky and the disease entered their home. Seven of the eight got infected. Mary decided that to protect herself from the disease that it would be best to start working outside of the city. The high-rise apartments, people living on top of each other, surely it was just a breeding ground for the disease. She had come too far in life for her to stop trying to progress now. She headed out to Oyster Bay in Long Island, got a job in another wealthy home and began to work for this family of 11. Within two weeks, Mary was out on the road looking for work again. Ten of the family members had become ill and were hospitalised. Mary herself continued to remain in good health. This allowed her to continue working. She took care of herself and stopped drinking the water in the wealthy people's houses, suspecting they were doing something with the water which the poor couldn't afford and this was causing the issue. She boiled all the water she needed before washing dishes or making meals. Mary continued to move from home to home working. The disease would always follow. By 1907, 3,000 people in New York tested positive for the fever. A wealthy family, friends of those who Mary had previously worked for, hired three doctors to investigate why it was spreading and why the rich were being so affected. There were rumours that there were acts of terrorism taking place against the rich. As their investigation progressed, they could not find any pattern between the houses affected. They tested the waters and no sign of the disease was found. They tested the paint to see if it could be producing something, but again nothing was found. Then they began asking those affected questions about what might have changed in their lives. Had they begun taking different routes home? Were they shopping somewhere new? Anything which might be different was looked for. Then all directions pointed one way. Mary. Mary was the only common denominator between each of the houses affected. 
They suspected she had been the source for the entire New York outbreak. A patient zero, but with no effects of the fever herself. They could not track her down. Every time a house she worked in would get infected, Mary would pack up and move on to protect herself. This was until the young daughter of a wealthy New York businessman died of the fever and the researching doctors raced out of the home to find Mary. Mary refused to be tested. She had been familiar with the rich oppressing the poor and blaming them for all of society's issues. She would not allow them to treat her the same. She was better than what she believed they thought her to be. She did, however, agree to telling the doctors of all the places she had worked as a cook since arriving in New York. Of the eight homes she had worked in, seven had been infected with the fever and three people had died. Mary was forced into a hospital in order to detain and test her. In order to get her to share more information, the doctors offered her book deals with full access to the royalties. Again, certain it was a trick, she turned them away and would not help. She was placed in quarantine for three years on North Brother Island. Medical papers were written about the medical marvel. She was labelled Typhoid Mary and became famous. How could one person be the certain cause which infected 3,000 people and never feel any effects herself? In 1910, she was released under the new Freedom for Disease Carriers Act. She was not allowed to work as a cook again under the terms of her release and was encouraged to take responsible steps to mind her hygiene to protect others. When she returned to the mainland to restart her life, she picked up a job as a laundress. It paid less than cooking and did not have the same progressive opportunities, but Mary needed a job. Given her name had become famous as the disease spreader, she changed it to Mary Brown. It was in doing this she realised she had been reborn. She could now do whatever she wanted. She was liberated from the name which had been closing so many doors to her. There was now no legal way of tracking her. She went back to working as a cook. For the next five years she worked in kitchens across the city. Wherever she worked, the fever followed. She changed jobs regularly so that the doctors would not find her or realise she was back infecting people. 
1915, she started working in the Sloan Hospital for Women and began another massive outbreak. 23 people were infected and two died. She was eventually tracked down and arrested. She was returned to quarantine. This time, with medicine having progressed, she was told that if she was to have her gallbladder removed, she could go free. It was thought that she was able to carry the disease in her gallbladder while maintaining some sort of immunity. Mary refused and was left in isolation for the next 23 years. Confined on her own. She died here in isolation. Six years before her death, she was paralysed by a stroke, but it was pneumonia which eventually got her at the age of 69. The music for this episode was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan Isanam Dom, Gurav Mahagat, Slonanish.